Thank you for joining XR Own, which is India's first AR VR focus podcast. And today I'm delighted to have with me Andreas Fronberger, who's the managing director and XR producer of Bunge Roma. Andreas and his team have worked on mixed reality projects for some of the top global brands. And he's also the lecturer for animation development at the University of Applied Arts in Vienna, where he teaches about the theory of perception. So Andreas, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. I think it'll be really nice if you could start by explaining what metaverse is because you know there's various mm-hmm. interpretation or various people have their own theory about what the metaverse is so it'll be really nice if you could mm-hmm. explain what is the metaverse that I will try to um I mean first of all there are those new immersive uh, media technologies that are coming up uh, or already are being used like virtual reality where you set up a VR device on your eyes and you can dive into a different world uh, or augmented reality where you use a VR device uh, like an AR device or a mobile phone to enrich your real world, your environment with augmented uh, digital content. The whole thing is also being described as spatial computing. And uh, since two years or so, the... um, the word metaverse made the round, even if it's an older concept, uh, it's been invented by Neil Stevenson, a cyberpunk author of the late nineties. And in this book, uh, uh, Snow Crash, he invented, kind of invented this uh, word and idea. And uh, since then, um, many international companies such as um, Facebook, which is now named Meta of the Metaverse, are are hunting behind the idea that people are going to spend a lot of time in a digital environment, connect to each other uh, without being there in the real world, like we too do now, but uh, in a, a more digital 3D internet sense and that is where uh, the 3d internet comes in the metaverse is kind of a three-dimensional internet where you can own things you can sell things you can uh, travel and you can have many different uh, um, appearances also uh, there are many platforms some of those just on a computer like um, fortnite or kids love to use uh, roblox or there are things that happen more in virtual reality um, or platforms that connect those worlds together. Maybe talk about Sanskrit. What what was it that caught your attention to start learning Sanskrit? I'm out of a polyglot family somehow. Everybody in my family is talking multiple languages. And um, I, I know my brother learned Arabic. And uh, I, I did yoga and things like that since a long time, since I was 16. And uh, I know my, my wife is out of an Indian family. Uh, her mother was one of the first, uh, uh, was the children of the first couple between, uh, uh, of the first marriage that came out between a um, uh, Tibetan woman and a Western man. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, my um, mother-in-law who has just been here two hours ago. And <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm also... I have uh, Indian, uh, other Indian family members, and so that's a bit how I came into that. Lovely, lovely. So how cool is that? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you you have like a diverse background. Your family, your your genetics is going very deep. How is learning Sanskrit 
helped you in your life? Mm. I'm not so sure about that, but um, I think uh, they are just simply really beautiful uh, musically interpretations, and there are very precise uh, rhymes called mantras that uh, can really help uh, reconnect yourself in difficult times or uh, if you want just to get calm or if you see yourself overwhelmed by things like uh, artificial intelligence, then you, you could just uh, have a look at those things and uh, realign to possibly what's really important to you. Hold us together. Hold us together. Tell me about this link about learning Sanskrit and becoming calm. Isn't that about just being hmm. connected with, you know, I think being calm, does it have to do with learning a specific language or just because Sanskrit is supposed to be no. an Indian uh, ancient language? That's the reason you saying that mm -hmm. a specific mantra gives you a peace of mind is what mm -hmm. is it that actually that gives you peace of mind is it uh yeah mm -hmm. uh, uh that has to do in my eyes with the uh deeply uh aesthetical structure of the language because uh for example if, if you say arm uh, aham uh that's me i say aham and that's summer if i would swallow something down aham it's leading me to uh, myself. If you say sach, that means him. Sach, uh, you're breathing out sach. So, and, uh, and that's two examples of uh, words, and you can find such uh, relations in many of the Sanskrit uh, words where you don't even have to know the uh, what it means. If you just listen, you can already feel it. And uh, because the, the meaning is already hidden into the phonetics. Right. So, so you're saying the frequencies are in, in, in a way where it helps you a lot. Like, I mean, the the way you explained that the, the gulping down of breathing or, or you know, the breathing. Mm -hmm. So it, it, even OM itself, uh, I mean, I'm not so very, I mean, knowledgeable about, uh, mm. uh, but, but it, it seems that, you know, when you say the, when you say Om, the frequencies kind of align with, with, with uh, the universe. You know, there, there are many uh, sayings about that. If you just uh, Google what's Om, then they are saying it's a holy word that connects you to the world and to the universe and things like that. It's uh, interesting. But uh, one Indian guy, it's uh, Terence Lewis. He is known in India as being the show host of Le India Dance or something. Probably you know him as an awesome person. He's coming to Vienna each year to do workshops at a dance festival. I know him from there. And uh, he's uh, delivered a really great uh, um, idea to me of what that it's about. So basically, you have resonance in your body. And he as a dancer really knows that. So if you say, ah, you can you can hear, feel the resonance. That's just a um, physical thing to happen in your stomach. And the Oh, is here in that area of the chest. If you really make it resonate with the body. Oh, and then you have the ooh. You can hear, you can uh, feel vibrations here in this in the, uh, um, throat area. And then the mm, you can you can feel vibrations just in your head. And that's what 
for example, opera singers used to do it every day. <laughs> so it's nothing really special. But uh, uh, if you take now the parts of this piece together, you have you're starting at the bottom and bring up energy to the head. And then at the end of OM, there is this dot, if you write it, which means take a break. And the break is possibly uh, connecting to to the world. And that's a nice uh, this, uh, that's a nice way to describe uh, what OM can be without now going too deep. It's very simply, uh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So there are so many things which we don't understand. But I guess, you know, when you dig deeper, you understand that there was, I mean, these, these, these ancient people had a way of possibly expressing themselves or connecting themselves with the unknown or the creator. And then they created these languages, uh, Indian and Chinese uh ancient history or scriptures it is full of awesomeness you know it, it, it talks about spirituality it, it, it talks about sometimes it also like that there are indian scriptures you know especially in 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 the jains where, where they talk about quantum physics you know and there is mm -hmm. like, like mm -hmm. i mean you know the, the post that you mentioned i mean the post that really caught my attention is you know they be talking about different loks you know pata loks uh, and uh, different yes. multiverses uh, for, so so maybe el elaborate on the uh, on this yeah. i mean you know talk talk about the connection so so that you know i uh, my audience also understands where is this connection that mm -hmm. you're talking about between sanskrit or in asian ancient scriptures into modern technology such as medicine. Yes, the most important uh, part of the connection is simply storytelling, you know, because uh, 10,000 years ago, uh, when people invented language and culture, uh, there was a strong necessity that we communicate to each other and build values and uh, visions and things that really stick, hold, hold us together. Part of those oldest stories are the Indian uh, myths, because uh, they have had a very strong uh, tradition of verbal and later written passing on of that stories to the next generation. There, there are many similarities between the concepts of ancient scriptures and the concept of modern storytelling in the metaverse. So, for example, one concept I find very interesting is the concept of multiple realms or realities. In Indian mythology, we have the notion of multiple Lokas or Loax, I'm not sure how you pronounce it uh, perfectly. Um, or you could also name it worlds. There is a the concept of Puloka, uh, this is the earthly world. Then there is the Pataloka, an underworld. And uh, there is also an idea of a, a heavenly world. Yes, and there are many different of those. And so we have a kind of a layered reality. And uh, if you take, for example, the uh, uh, epic Mahabharata, which is a very important um, Indian mythology piece uh, with thousands of pages, it consists of, uh, yeah, for example, this uh, contains several layers of reality from earthly realm to the celestial abodes, and uh, where characters are moving be uh, between those realms. So, for example, you have uh, heroes, princes, or also gods that are changing between the heavenly world, the uh, the, the real world, the underworld, and they are leading different discussions there. Uh, and this is uh, part of the whole story. So um, if we go now to a metaverse, you can also uh, change between 
different worlds, places, and also you can just take off your VR device uh, for now at least and um, get back to the real world. And this is where these realms are being interconnected in a daily practice now for us. And I think that's very interesting connection. Right. So, so Andres, talk to me about this Sanskrit metaverse link, you know, because of of little do that I know about ancient history, it, it, it's got a lot of supernatural things over there. You know, there's a lot of things like, uh, especially in, in the Mahabharat, Ramayana, you know, there is half mm -hmm. man, half monkey. He, he can fly, very powerful, super strong, can grow into a giant. Uh, they they mm -hmm. had these weapons which were like, I mean, uh, bow and arrow and arrow would be so potent that it would be like a nuclear weapon. Talk, talk to me about these references. Difficult to kind of even fathom at this point in time. Would, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Uh, to bring it to our actual real world. Some days ago, I've been sitting together at the um, campfire with friends and we we had to get creative in order to entertain ourselves. And we uh, invented uh, stories, uh, which was a very entertaining thing to do. And, uh, you know, in a world where you don't have uh, television, smartphones, and anything like that, I think the fantasy is really being challenged uh, to to invent things. And uh, storytelling has been, you know, the very major culture of human history anyway. So, um I think it's not that hard to imagine uh, just super weapons. Kids do that. Uh, uh, and um, spaceships or other realms of our fantasy uh, that uh, we could travel to or gods could travel to and from. Uh, in the Greek uh, gods, for example, they also have been able to travel between heaven and earth and to change their... Um, personalities and to change their bodies to animals. The same has been the uh, case with Indian uh, mythology. Uh, there is this content uh, of fluidity of identity in, in uh, ancient Indian uh, philosophy. In many cases, Indian uh, uh, stories of the time, uh, deities and beings often take on various forms, you know, much like the concept of avatars uh, in, in uh, cyberspace and online environments. We, we already know that. Um, and uh, there is also uh, quite a big story to that. So uh, in if we take the Mahabharata, uh, which is a very Mahabharata, which was a very important Indian epic, part of it is the Bhagavad Gita, a founding scripture of, uh, of many religions and for example, of Buddhism. Um, yeah, there you have the concept of avatars. And um, what what is an avatar? <laughs> we, we have this uh, word now we use every day. Uh, even our kids use it, but it's a word, it's a Sanskrit word uh, from uh, Indian um, religion and uh, philosophy. So we can have a look at that. Uh, uh, it's a word from Sanskrit and uh, the word avatarana is meaning descent, and it uh, refers to the earthly incarnation of a deity. Particularly uh, in that book, it is Vishnu. And uh, he descends from heavenly realms to earth to restore his dharma uh, and things like that. Uh, and when it is threatened by extreme chaos and evil. So uh, he, he kind of uses 
these techniques of transformation in order to resist to very uh, bad things, yeah, and war and things like that. And each avatar has a specific purpose, often related to combinating a particularly uh, form of evil. Yeah, that's really in the stories. And uh, this really binds us a lot to avatars, because uh, especially in video games, because uh, if we play a game, we uh, often have the possibility to choose our own avatar with the fitting powers and with the optimal look and with the optimal sound and uh, weapons to to get through that uh, mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there is a strong relation between these two concepts of avatars. And uh, yeah, for each of those avatars have specific purposes and roles. Um, they also serve specific roles. For example, Krishna uh, is uh, is an uh, avatar of Vishnu. It's a very well-known uh, avatar. Um, yes. Right, right. You know, there is, like you, you mentioned about avatar Krishna being the avatar of Vishnu, Vishnu being the ever-powerful god. Uh, maybe elaborate this a little bit more, you know, your knowledge on it. And, and you mentioned that everything seems to be uh, a story so you saying that some some author back then mm. i mean wrote all of our scriptures whether it's the ancient indian scripture ancient chinese scripture or uh, it, it, it's it's a product of storytelling you know people yes. imagining uh, these things and, and creating stories. So these gods that we have created, basically they are a product out of our storytelling. Is, is that what you're hinting at? That's what uh, modern science uh, and archaeology are uh, thinking, yes. I, I think somewhere down the line, you, you, unless you're right, because I guess everything is an output of a story you know when we are not able to understand something you kind of you, you with your imagination you you kind mm -hmm. of fill fill the gaps and, and create create these these things and and over the years we identify those stories and believe in it so much that we yes make it real uh -huh. we, we make it real mm. and then it becomes a belief it becomes a belief systems and then those stories we, we, we create uh, gods. I mean, whether it's the, the story of Jesus Christ or whether it's the story of um, uh, your Allah or whether it's the story of Ram and Lakshman. Or, or mm -hmm. any. So the, the, these are largely stories written by these great authors. And, and over the years, we have interpreted them or made them as uh, or created, uh, I mean, made them into gods. Is, is that what you're hinting at? You know, uh, in the end, it's not so important where these stories really come from. Have they been given to us by, a, by a, I don't know, by a mysterious plate served by God? Or has it been just put into our minds? Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's, uh, everybody can make his own sense of that. Huh? But what the modern uh, science uh, is saying is that uh, um, those stories have been brought up uh, due to social... Uh, pressure and also survival pressure and um, for example uh, Yuval Noah Harari an important uh, historian he says what uh, Harari is uh, suggesting is that we had the ability to build social strong social bonds and conduct connections via storytelling we are building shared ideas and values and visions 
and we use storytelling for that. And this is our uh, main power as Homo sapiens. And this is why the uh, Homo neanderthalensis, for example, the neanderthalensis uh, um, did not survive. Uh, that's what science says, because they had even bigger brains than we have. They had uh, stronger bodies than we had. But uh, we had the ability to form together as a tribe and uh, and uh, build up this social connection and communication that other uh types of humans and also animals didn't have. We accept anything and everything and we take religion or, uh, uh, you know, the, these man-created God as, as a final truth. And if we kind of say anything against it, or, uh, you know, I, it can be mis misinterpreted uh, <laughs> very soon. So, so mm -hmm. oh, yeah. As, as, a, as the human species, you know, I mean, we, we are in for sitting in a fantastic mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. of time. There's technology which is going to augment us yes. to achieve a true, uh, uh, you know, who we have to become the human thing. What, what's the, it should be more tilting towards religion, tilting towards uh, spirituality, tilting towards science and technology. Which path is the correct path according to you for uh in for the future of humanity as you as you say correctly religion has certain restrictions if it comes to interconnectedness between cultures because yeah every religion says i'm the right one the other not um or at least many of them um this is why i also don't want to go into that too much but uh, i am are just totally fascinated by uh, those old uh, stories and also old aesthetics that have been delivered from the ancient times. And uh, for me, it's a bit like listening to a great uh, album or to uh, just reading a fantastic book. If I dive in those uh, ancient uh, stories, it's just an aesthetical uh, um event for me that opens me up and that uh, gives giving me uh, new ideas of uh, where to go to and uh, yeah you know we we have uh, people such as donald hoffman uh, and elon mm -hmm. musk and so many others who 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 say that uh, we live in a simulation world and and everything nothing is real if, if the, the the physical world is, is virtual so the same mm. i think is being said in in our old scriptures also i mean you know the, the rishi munis mm. used to say this, that sab kuch mo or maya hai so mo as in greed and illusion that the entire world is made out nothing but mm -hmm. greed and illusion you know because we are we are always stuck in a never existing loop of trying to achieve something and you, you get that and then you go to another you want to achieve something else so we, we are in that constant yes. loop of greed and illusion illusion as in the entire world is, is not real and, and this is something which has been there in 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 our scriptures but now mm -hmm. there there are you know physicists you know who, who talk about existence or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, a physical reality coming uh, coming into existence through a manifestation of, of or yes. a, a, a conscious observer. So, you, what, what are your views on something mm -hmm. like that? You know that the entire uh, world that we live in being nothing but a virtual world. Mm -hmm. Sab kuch more. Mm -hmm. hai. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, since the uh, European Enlightenment movement uh, from, uh, I think, it was the 18th century, um, where that started off in France and and more countries here in Europe, uh, there, there was this uh, idea of a simulation uh, existing in a very prominent uh, manner. For example, René Descartes, who is one of the major philosophers of the time, he had this idea already that uh, uh, everything we... Uh, we uh we see we hear and we feel is an illusion and there behind there is another layer or if you take Immanuel Kant here this concept of uh, uh reality uh and real reality and uh, steps behind reality so he also said was that we can perceive with our empirical senses that's not reality it's just an illusion and uh they are somehow taking up uh, ideas from the ancient scriptures with that, and sometimes they directly refer to that. Um, and uh, I just want to give you a link to, to modern philosophy and ancient philosophy, so because I don't want to get into that uh, realm of uh, esoterics or so. So um, it is very uh, important that we have a look at those ancient stories and uh, try to find out what those people already found out in the cultural way and what was their practice uh, we can learn of. Mm -hmm. In Indian philosophy, for example, there is this uh, uh, nature of Maya that can help us better navigate in blurry lines between virtual and physical reality. Maya, that's somehow a word like illusion. And um, yeah. Would you like to talk about what Young Roma is and some of your works over there? Uh, we are providing um, immersive storytelling services for international brands, such uh, yeah, with a focus on marketing and uh, sales. And uh, we are helping those brands reach their goals in the areas uh, by using uh, immersive experiences. We create that experiences for them. Uh, we conceive them, and also we produce them. So the part of that work is. Uh, uh, storytelling or also development, uh, immersive filmmaking, and also rolling out that uh, content in form of uh, virtual reality applications, uh, interactive website, and other formats. Could you talk about some of those experiences and how it has helped brands? Yeah, for example, uh, we did a, a sales experience for uh, Hilti. Uh, that's an, a very important international uh Building company, they are they are constructing and uh, they they are there for the digitalization of the building sites. And uh, in the sales funnel, at the very end of the sales funnel, there is the uh, you know, talk to the manager, to the chief stakeholder, and it's been quite a work to get there. And then you would have to uh, tell all that stories you've been telling the other workers in other stages before to get to the boss. But that would be a very long uh, discussion. So we quit that. And instead of this, we are taking uh, the decision maker into a virtual reality device. Barry is having a very rich and intense and uh, convincing experience in virtual reality. He's being transported or beamed to, to the building site. And this has a closing quality. So we are scaling this application globally. And so we'll keep on producing new content.
so far uh, you know like you you were in the beginning of the course conversation you were mentioning that most of our interface you know whether it's your tv whether it's your mobile screen whether it's your theater we we still restricted to the 2d interface you know though there are companies who are like building glasses and possibly it could be the next interface what do you think will it take for humanity to transition to the 3d world what what could be that uh, application or that will push us everyone to you know i mean experience or, or uh, take on to get into the, the ar vr mr metaverse mm-hmm. um well first of all we are in a 3d world already so there is not uh, no real necessity to to change that because it's 3d already uh, but uh, in sometimes it's just uh, interesting or uh, has a uh, very clear um opportunities in it if you have a different uh, three-dimensional world uh for for social connection for example you could uh spare out having to do difficult and expensive business trips airplanes and hotels and all that stuff involved but just uh, getting into vr and meeting people uh this can always get done better than now but uh, i think that's quite a killer application if you're do it really right uh, and then um, you have uh, storytelling um, for example movies now if you see a movie uh, teams large teams spend two or three of work uh, uh, two or three years of work to to get this story right for for a two-hour experience um, if you uh, in the metaverse you have the the necessity not to build just a timeline based uh, experience that would entertain you for two hours but uh you would have to build the complete world you know anything you have to take the images on the wall and they have to tell a story and if you visit the people in those images homes there has to be a reason why they are represented in another person's home and you uh, have stories uh, of the neighbors of these people and then you have uh, everything you know uh, and uh, this is very hard to do so why uh, I believe that's one of the main reasons um, why this has not been rolled out too much now, because it's very difficult to produce such experiences. Uh, but as now um, artificial intelligence tools are coming to assist us in, in building a large-scale world, which will take up uh, speed a lot, I think. So, so I, I think, you know, we need to collectively find out where does humanity go and how do we uh, go to a place which is better by leveraging the old the old tradition as well as the new because i think most of the time when we mm-hmm. when when, mm-hmm. when we are looking at creating something which is futuristic we always leave behind the old you know but i think we, today we need to look at mm-hmm. uh, uh, old whether it's the indian culture whether it's the chinese culture whether it's yes, culture from austria or a- anywhere around the world i think diversity mm-hmm. will help us create a better world because so far i think the entire world has been very singular it's always been america which has always been dictate dictating about anything and everything but today i think we're living in a very global hyper connected world where anybody and everybody has got a voice all we need to do is stand up and be counted and so we we're in a fantastic space mm-hmm. so so you know leave my audience with some thoughts of yours on how this future world is going to look like with technology of you know and a blend of past and the new 
I've always been a fan of science fiction. And uh, there are those stories that uh, show us a dystopian re world in the future. One of those books is Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, where, yeah, which is actually the founding word of Metaverse that's been coming out of that dystopian book. I don't know why. So uh, possibly we, we have to skip the word and the, uh, yeah, this, um, this word and go to a new word. Uh, we should look for such a word together. Uh, for example, now there is a new um, new type of science fiction, which is called solar punk. And I think that's very interesting because uh, their solar punk is describing a future where we have mastered uh, all those difficulties that you just described and uh, all in front of the climate crisis. And this giving us a, a utopian idea of where we should be heading to. And uh, this is, I think, an important thing to have because... Uh, uh, just uh, living in fear that leads to nothing. So we, we have to open up to uh, new ideas and also old ideas, which can be new to many of us also. And uh, then uh, we, we have to find this vision and develop uh, yeah, a fireside chat idea of where we are heading to each of us and this drive together and do a lot with responsibility yes yeah I, I think that's a profound note to end on responsibility i think for the first time i think people are understanding that we are all responsible for the entire world because and that that's what covid kind of showed showed us you know because you know when covid happened in china nobody thought that the entire world would get affected you know so but that's what the world that we're living in you know what happens in a small place in a small rural area can actually affect the entire world because we're living in a hyper connected world and in that world i think we all need to take responsible we need to understand that uh, over consumption without conservation is leading to a world which is going towards a global crisis which is going to lead to the death of us all and, and this love of building technologies you know be it ai metaverse nanotech quantum computing it, it's great because i think these tools have always augmented us and always will but in the hands of a few who who you want to use it for maybe twisted uh, things i think then maybe the world can go in, in a very dystopian space so i i hope that we, we are all responsible and, and we all join hands and know that everybody can be counted if, if they stand up because you know we, we living in a world that's the reason i do this podcast you know so to make everybody understand that everybody can be counted and you know and we need to be responsible that's a great note to end on my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thank you Anders. appreciate this